0: Baseball Tonight, the podcast.
1: This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Sarah Abbott is here uh, producing from the Sarah Abbott Studios, which I think is today at her home. Taylor Schwenk is working from the Schwenk Studios, which is always from his home in the foothills of Connecticut. And I'm Buster Olney. What a great day of baseball on Tuesday You had the Yankees and the Guardians wrapping up. You had the the Phillies and the Padres starting off their series, the National League Championship Series. The first time in baseball history we've had an overlap like this from one one round to the next, Um, and it was pretty cool. Uh, Yesterday in the afternoon, the Yankees and Guardians, because they were rained out
2: on uh, Monday night, and, and Taylor, you're still sticking to that conspiracy theory? 100%. Aaron Boone saved his job because of it. The Yankees made some extra cash. Uh, now we we get we get Yankees, Astros, and the ALCS. I mean, yeah, it's it's all coming up Major League Baseball, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and because they had that rain out, they were able to turn to one of the uh, pitchers in their circle of trust, Nestor Cortez. He was on the mound. He held the Guardian scoreless in the top of the first inning. In the bottom
3: of the first, this is what happened. The 2-0 to Stanton. And a swing and a line drive right center field. Long run, Gonzalez. It is gone! A rocket to right center field by John Carlos Stanton. And the Yankees have a 3-0 lead here in the first inning.
1: That was Dan Shulman on ESPN Radio. And I got to say, right in that moment, because the Guardians are not a team of a big offense, they were 29th out of 30 teams in home runs during the course of the year. You felt like, oh boy, that might be it. Well, Aaron Judge added to their problems in the bottom of the second. 1-0.
3: And Judge lifts a towering fly ball to right field. It is deep. Gonzalez is back. It is gone. That was much different than the Stanton one. That one had some hang time, but it winds up in the same place. And it is four to nothing Yankees.
1: The two monster home run hitters going deep for the Yankees in the first two innings. In the top of the fourth inning, again, it felt like the Guardians were, were mounting a bit of a rally. Then this happened.
3: 1-1, one, one, a swing and a bouncer to first. Big hop for Rizzo, and he's going to dive for the bag himself and just beat him in as there to make the play. Cortez falling off to the third base side, didn't get over in time, and a big-time recovery and play there by Anthony Rizzo.
1: The Guardians actually kind of held up the game, and they were taking a look and see if Rizzo got to the base before the base runner in that spot. And as it turned out, on replay, Rizzo did not make the play. He didn't actually reach the base before the base runner, but surprisingly, the Guardians didn't challenge the call. Here is Eduardo Perez
3: talking about that. It's irresponsible. It's irresponsible right now by whomever is in charge of the replay for the Guardians. They got it wrong twice in Cleveland. This one was clearly safe as... The foot of Jimenez the, got to the bag way before the glove of Anthony Rizzo did, clearly on replay. I do not get this at all, Dan.
1: Nestor Cortez uh, had a nice outing for them. They were able to finish the game up with their bullpen. It's a little bit tired. Here's what it
3: sounded like at the end. And the first pitch to Straw. swinging a ground ball to short. Heiner falefa plays it to second. They will force the runner... And in the ball game.
1: And what uh, you didn't hear in that moment, Dan might have gone on to talk about this. Gilbert Torres, after he took that force play, Taylor, he gave the little rock the baby, mocking the Guardians after what we saw from Naylor in Cleveland, mocking
2: Garrett Cole. What'd you think? Justice for Garrett Cole. Love it. Love that guy. He deserves to, you know, have his teammates have his back.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. the sarcasm from you today is just uh, overwhelming. All right. Aaron Judge spoke with Marley Rivera after the game. This is
4: the fourth time that you and Stan have hit homers in a postseason game for the Yankees, which is a new franchise record. How did Stan set the tone today?
5: Wow, just from the jump. You know, we were uh, we were hoping to play yesterday, but you know, we had to wait a little bit and come in today and do our job. And, you know, Stan's been locked in. You know, he's team, you know, he went out there with a plan, executed his plan and, you know, gave us a little bit of room so that's you go out there and do his thing.
4: With your backs against the wall, what can you say about Nestor Cortez Jr.'s performance today? Oh, just
5: that's ballsy right there. You know, he went out there and did what he did all year. You know, he's a guy that was never given much, always had to work his ass off to get here and, you know, we saw it again tonight. You know, like you said, backs against the wall, you know, game five, pitching on short rest, you know, he lives for those moments.
4: They say pressure is a privilege. How did you guys handle the pressure of a lot of people thinking that if you lost to the Guardians, it's a lost season for this team?
5: Uh, you know, yeah, pressure's a gift. You know, getting to be in these moments at Game 5, you know, we earned the right to be here. You know, this is a pressure situation. you got to love these moments. We worked our butt off all year to get to this position, and all you got to do is go out there and enjoy it now. You know, this is the fun part. This is why you go those long days of spring training, the a long night during the season. It's, it's
4: there how much are you looking forward to celebrating tonight but maybe a short celebration because Justin Verlander will be on that mound
5: yeah we'll celebrate tonight and then you know get ready for tomorrow you know we got a big big series coming up against us you know Houston's a great ball club over there you know good offense good pitching staff so you know we're looking forward to it
4: congratulations Aaron
5: thank you
1: here's Aaron Boone the Yankees manager on Nestor Cortez
2: physically I felt like he was good you know after you know had we played last night he would have played a important role for us I feel like last night's game you know in, in a shorter stint maybe three six outs whatever it may have been and I know he felt good yesterday so and I knew he wanted the ball and I just felt like you know once we got rained out last night I felt like I felt convicted that you know Nestor was who I wanted to go with um and and you know that sets us up with 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 Jamo you know, full full bore in game one when obviously we've had to use a lot of pitching.
1: That would be Jamison Tyone who will pitch in game one of the American League Championship Series, which starts today. No rest for the Yankees who had to jump on a plane, fly down to Houston, and they will get started today. The Guardians, what a phenomenal season. They won the American League Central. They uh, advanced to the Division Series, game five against the Yankees, despite fielding the youngest team in baseball. Here's Terry Francona talking about their season.
3: Probably further than anybody except the people in that room thought they would go. I just reminded them of that. I know they're hurting right now because they care, and they worked unbelievably hard. But I hope as that wears off, they'll realize just how proud we are of them and how much we care about them. And I also reminded them that this needs to be a, a starting place for us. Here's Yankees
2: pitcher Nestor Cortez. Uh, yeah, a lot of pressure, obviously. Um, you know, our our season was on the line uh, tonight or today. Um, and I knew yesterday when Aaron Boone told me that I, I was starting today, um, he basically told me, you know, give us whatever you got, whether it's one, whether it's three, whether it's five. Um, and uh, I was a little nervous because I knew, you know, the the fans and everybody was, was waiting for, for our, our victory. So, um, but definitely – you know, incredible atmosphere, um, incredible feelings. Um, just just happy to be here.
1: Now, the Yankees did get a bit of bad news during the course of this game. There was a collision between uh, Aaron Hicks and Iswaldo Cabrera, and Hicks suffered a knee injury that's going to keep him out at least six weeks. That obviously means, as he told reporters after the game, that he will not be playing in any Yankees games going forward the national league championship series started last night in san diego phillies padres great pitching matchup you darvish of san diego against zach wheeler the top of the fourth inning in the top of the fourth inning of 0-0
6: bryce harper at the plate harper open stance left side and a 1-0 hit in the air left field profar back back some more profar at the wall and that one is gone Bryce Harper the other way. He just popped it in the air. A towering home run over the left field wall, and the Phillies have taken a 1-0 lead.
1: That was Boog Shopping on ESPN Radio last night. Boog's going to join us in just a moment from San Diego, where, of course, he's calling that series. Zach Wheeler was incredible. Uh, Starting game one for the Phillies, he didn't allow a hit until the fifth inning. The 2-1.
6: Swing and a line drive and a base hit into center field. Myers got enough of it and singled back up the middle in the first hit of the game for the Padres.
1: So Bukshambi has this ridiculous voice, which is why we call him the legend. So I can't wait to hear this call of uh, Kyle Schwarber's home run last night because it was a monster home run. Give it a listen.
6: And the pitch. Swing and a drive, forget it. Right field, way back, look out, second deck, and it's gone. Kyle Schwarber with a mammoth home run over the right field fence into the second deck, and the Phillies take a 2-0 lead on a no-doubter. Whoa.
1: Yeah, we're going to have the numbers on that home run coming up in just a moment with Sarah Langs. Zach Wheeler continued to roll, bottom of the seventh
6: the one-two is on the outside corner got him looking Cronenworth didn't like the call from Brian Knight and that is strike three Wheeler has struck out eight and he's fired seven shutout innings
1: if there was any hope for the Padres it really began to take shape in the bottom of the ninth inning when this happened
6: the lefty fires, swing and a ground ball towards third boom up with it to second and it gets away Segura pounces on it. Everybody's safe. Throwing error by Boehm. That could have been a double play to end the game, but instead his feed to Stott was offline. And again, a good example of the shift, putting defenders in awkward spots as it relates to the double play.
1: So the Padres had a couple of runners on base. There was one out, but Jose Alvarado, who has been one of the heroes for the Phillies so far in this postseason? He got Manny Machado to fly out, and then this happened.
6: Alvarado deals. Swing and a miss, and that's the ball game. And the Phillies take game one, two to nothing. What a dominating pitching performance by the Philadelphia Phillies. Wheeler, Dominguez, and Alvarado shut down the Padres, and they take game one. Two zip, your final.
1: It was Bryce Harper after the game talking about Schwarber's home run.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good team over there, right? Um <clears throat> so I, I think as many runs as you can score in any situation, um, is huge for your team and I thought Wills was throwing the ball really well. Um, so I thought if we got a couple more, um, we could shut the door and um, you know, go up one nothing. So, um I thought that was really big by Schwarber hitting that bomb. Um, you know, going up two nothing and then um, you know, Wills doing what he did and then Sir Anthony coming in doing what he did, and Alvarado. I mean, they were both lights out, so it was a lot of fun.
1: Bob Melvin was asked about Zach Wheeler's night. Well, really good fastball early. Started mixing up his slider a little bit, and then started using his curveball next time around. That's probably as good a pitching performance we've seen all year, is my guess. Only walked one, struck out eight, was heading the count. Kyle Schwarber was asked what it's like to hit a ball 488 feet, which was the measurement on his bomb.
0: Well, first off, I would have took it if it went in the first row. I don't. I really don't care. point point's a point, and uh, yeah, I mean, doesn't feel like anything. I guess you know that's probably the good thing is that your hands don't hurt at the end of it. But uh, you know, to, yeah, to, to be able to put up put up a, a run there and uh, extend the lead, it was nice.
1: Yeah, Kyle Schwab is really modest. Uh, I'm going to be asking some questions about his personality to Boog coming up. Uh, You know that in his heart, he loved the punctuation mark of that monster home run. Here's Zach Wheeler talking about the home run.
2: I'm always down, you know, down the stairs, kind of out of the noise and all that, just so I can, you know, keep my head. But, um, you know, I heard everybody sort of, you know, take off. So I ran up the stairs and I saw it land and (laughs) that was pretty crazy. I've never even seen that done in uh, batting practice or
5: anything.
1: Later today. Phillies Padres will play game two. One other note Andrew Friedman is the head of, uh, president of baseball operations for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Expressed a quote unquote strong hope that Clayton Kershaw, future Hall of Famer, will be back to pitch for LA in 2023. Taylor, what else you
2: got? Buster, real quick. The NBA tipped off last night, and our NBA podcasts are in full swing. Brian Windhorse and the Hoop Collective, one of my favorite shows on our roster hosted by Brian Windhorst, the uh, the title man here, and uh, his collective of basketball friends who rotate in and out. They record three times a week. You can watch them on YouTube. You can listen to them wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. They are ESPN insiders that are sorting out the life in and around the NBA world. Great show. Really enjoy it. Check it out. Brian Windhorst and the Hoop Collective. Listen wherever you're catching this podcast right now.
1: Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGard Plus, a Foxaloner, moxidectin and pyrantel chewable tablets. NexGard Plus chew's provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious, beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing this morning?
7: I'm doing great, Buster. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, I got to say, yesterday was the first time during this postseason when I've been thinking, you know what? The Phillies might actually win this World Series. What about Um, for you?
7: Oh, my gosh. I mean just seeing, you know, we were talking yesterday about the idea of momentum. I thought both teams had it, but after seeing the Phillies, I think the Phillies have it, and you know, this team just has no quit seeing Zach Willer out there. I know there were some questions about when he got removed. It works perfectly, and if you can get Fewer than 100 pitches from him and still win that game. You were in a really, really good spot. So, feels like it is their series to lose right now.
1: Yeah, because I, 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 you know, just, there was a piece on ESPN.com that I wrote about the top matchups for the uh, championship series round. Uh, look, to me, the biggest surprise in the postseason so far is that bullpen. Like, I, I you know, they were, what, 20... Third out of in ERA among the 30 bullpen's during the year, you went in figuring, well, they might have one or two guys. It kind of reminds me of the the 19 Washington yes. Nationals, Sarah. Um which you sick. know yeah, yeah, they they had like one of the worst bullpens in baseball for most of that year.
7: That is exactly who I was going to say. I mean, they did it differently than the Phillies. They did it by bringing Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, and Steven Strasburg in out of the bullpen. They were the first team to use three guys who had gotten 200 strikeouts in the regular season all out of the bullpen in the same postseason. But for the Phillies, it's the same idea. They're using guys who we're not reliable for them out of the bullpen. And, you know, and now this is working. All of a sudden we have Zach Eflin, who is a reliever for them, and that's working. Sir Anthony Dominguez is, I mean, I've never seen him pitch like this. And it's really cool to see that work. And, you know, when that happened with the Nationals in 2019, I remember having this sense of just, kind of pride for them because the Nationals' bullpen had been such a joke, honestly, in the regular season. And I feel the same way about the Phillies right now. Everyone says, oh, Phillies' bullpen, got to watch out. And you know what? They're crushing it right now.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think that one of the cool things about baseball is that with adjustments, you know, with opportunity, players can change. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three.
7: Number three is four and three. So yesterday in game five of the ALDS, Aaron Judge hit his fourth career home run in a winner-take-all game. And Giancarlo San hit his third career home run in a winner-take-all game. So Judge has the most such home runs in postseason history, and Stanton is tied for the second most. But, of course, Stanton hit his first, so he tied for the most, and then Judge set the record. This team is 28-2 since Stanton joined the team when both of them homer in the same game. The two losses were the game this year where, where Judge hit number 62, right at the end of the season and of course the Field of dreams game with the Tim Anderson walk off home run.
0: Number 2.
7: Number 2 is 488, but I also could have chosen 119.7. So we have to talk about this Kyle Schwarber home run last night. It was incredible. If you somehow have not seen That Bryce Harper reaction, you are listening to this right now. Pull up another screen. Look up how Bryce Harper reacted to that home run. That's how we were all reacting. So in the StatCast era, I'm going to list off all the records we got. It was the second longest postseason home run tracked by StatCast. It was the hardest hit postseason batted ball in that span was the longest home run at Petco Park. It is also the longest of Kyle Schwarber's career, longest by any Philly tracked by StatCast, and it was the hardest hit batted ball of Schwarber's career and by any Philly tracked by StatCast.
2: Number one.
7: Number one is four. So, despite that amazing home run and a home run from Bryce Harper, there were only four combined hits in that game. Went really quickly and all of a sudden in the eighth inning, looking at the box score, and I see, wait, there were only four hits in this game. That is tied for the fewest hits in any postseason game all time. With the 2013 NLDS game four, between the Cardinals and Pirates and the 4 NLCS Game 5, between, again, the Cardinals and Houston. And the Padres have now thrown a one-hitter and been one-hit this postseason. They're the first team to have both of those things happen for them in the same postseason.
1: All right. Uh, before we uh, move on, I was going to mention to you, our friend Jessica Mendoza had these thoughts about you.
8: When I first met Sarah Langs, I can remember it, first of all, because anytime you see another woman in this industry, for me, I just get so pumped, excited. Who are you? What's your name? What's your background? Where did you come from? Please stay. And that's exactly how I felt about Sarah, but she had this light, this glow. um, And the biggest impression that she made, not just on me, but on everyone who's ever met her is, Just this absolute desire to want to help. How can I give information? How can I understand this? And then the lens that she sees it through. So I remember meeting her and there's this light of just, I love what I'm doing. I want to be able to do more of this. And I could just feel the energy and I remember that first year, um, it was Cleveland and Chicago, World Series, crazy hours. And I remember poor Sarah, we were literally up all night doing baseball tonights after the game until like the wee hours in the morning. And then we'd be turning around and we'd be doing like a sports center head at 7 a.m. in like a downtown cool Cleveland coffee shop. And day four or five, I remember looking over because of course someone else was doing the late shifts, you know, but I might have the morning, but Sarah was doing all of it and she didn't have to, but she wanted to. So even though there were other researchers, other people that could do it, she always wanted to be there to make sure if there was that one moment that you looked like, what was that one stat or what was that one thing she was there. And I remember looking over at like day six, seven, and we were all just so crazy tired And Sarah had fallen asleep in this Cleveland coffee shop and it was the cutest thing because she had literally worked every single hour of every single day. And I felt like she was like 15 at that point, even though she was 25. And it was just a pure example of her literally working every ounce of energy to try to be there, help and always be present as she was, um, remember we put a blanket on her and she immediately woke up and was so like oh my gosh I'm sorry we're like no it's fine Um, but I just have so many Sarah memories Um, but the biggest thing is the light that she brings to us all and I love her very much
1: yeah and I think Jessica Mendoza I got to confirm this today Sarah but I'm pretty sure she's picking the Astros I don't think she thinks the Yankees have much of a chance in that series what about
2: you
7: Oh my goodness. First of all, I love that memory. I don't remember that, which tells you how sleepy I was, but I'm not (laughs) surprised. I mean, now I think about it. I do remember being very embarrassed. So I'm sure it was that moment. I agree with her. I'm picking the Astros, but you know I do think that the rest versus rust conversation is not going to be as prevalent as we think with the Yankees because you know after all they're used to playing every day, they're used to flying somewhere late after a late game, any of that. So I do think the people were saying that that is going to be the reason the rainout. Right I don't think that's why. I think it's just because the Astros are so much better.
1: It's funny, Sarah, as you were just talking, I was thinking about this. My memory, of one of my memories of you is, uh, you know, working with you at ESPN was you uh, falling asleep in the stands at Wrigley Field. She's got you (laughs) falling asleep in a coffee shop. You know, that (laughs) that, that series, a lot of those memories are built around that. All right. Uh, Thanks for doing this. I will talk to you tomorrow.
7: Thanks so much for having me, Buster.
1: You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The man.
6: Swing at a high fly ball out towards left field.
0: The voice.
6: That one well struck.
0: The legend.
6: On its way.
1: Boog Shambi on Baseball
2: Tonight. And this play Boog is... Shambi,
1: the legend. And, Boog, I, I was just uh, at the top of the show. We ran the, the highlights from last night's game. And I knew uh, when uh, as I, I laid out the, the show and, and saw so we were going to run the sound of Kyle Schwarber's home run that you would sound like you were in awe of that home run even before I heard it, and that's exactly the way it came out. What was that like?
0: Okay, before I answer that, can I tell you one quick thing? Yeah, checked into the hotel in San Diego, and the gentleman behind the desk um, was—he had—he spoke a little bit of fractured English. He's from Europe, and his manager leans in and points at me and says, "You know, that's the legend." <laughs> and I—I I, I was like, "Are you messing with me? Is somebody messing with me? Is Buster back there? What's going on?"
3: That's true. <laughs>
0: And then the guy was like, you know, he, he, some, some, you know, and he was like legend. It's like, explain it to me. So then I, you have to, we had to explain the whole thing to him. It was delightful (laughs) anyway. Um, yeah, it's one of those, you just don't, it's the definition of a no doubter home run. And It's just funny because it doesn't happen very frequently. In radio, I'm always really intentional about trying to, you know, get space between the pitch and the ball hitting the bat and telling people what's happening. And that's one of those where it's literally like, here's the pitch, home run. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just he just demolishes it. And everybody talking to Tony Gwynn Jr., Jesse Agler on the radio side, they said they have never seen a ball hit into that second deck. They're talking about... Bombs and batting practice. All of those years, they'd never seen anybody hit a ball that far. So it was just walled.
1: Yeah, when I listened to your call, what struck me is like you were the broadcast peer of the outfielder who doesn't move. Right. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And of, oh, I mean, that's right. Oh, that's gone. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh my gosh. he just he just smoked it. It was uh, it was uh, Titanic and you know, during the game in touch with Sarah Langs, and she told us it's the hardest hit ball in the StatCast era in a postseason game, the second farthest home run in a StatCast era in a postseason game, so it was something else.
1: So tell me, and it got me to thinking about that baseball that hit on top of the scoreboard uh, years ago. Where is that? Do Do you know where that baseball happens to reside at the moment? I don't. It's not up there. I can, I do know
0: that. Um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll I'll try and get an answer for. I really should have that answer between, you know, my connection with the Cubs and then that I'll see Kyle today. I, I should be able to get an answer for you.
1: So I get asked all the time. You get asked all the time, uh, who you root for, and I always say, uh, don't <laughs> root for any team. I root for great stories and I root for good stuff. Yeah. They have good people. I was just had a big grin on my face that Schwarber had that moment last night, as he's had you know other big moments, because he really is about as decent a person as I think there is in the game. Uh, if you were, if a friend were to ask you, what's Kyle Schwarber like, give me your description.
0: Oh man, um, I, I he, it's funny as I'm, it, it makes me smile because Kyle's as engaging and. Um, he's a hugger and he's funny and he's smart. Um, and he loves to play. Uh, he he's for what we do. He's, he's got that, you know, tongue in cheek sense of humor. And so he, there's always a chance he's going to rip off a good one liner. He doesn't take himself too seriously. And I think, there's an element of it that he he understands entirely the engagement between players and media and players and fans, and he's just one of the best guys to interact with. It was funny. He was telling me, um, I'm staying uh, at the the same hotel where the the Phillies are, and I happen to go to Starbucks, and I ran into him and his wife and his his son, and um, yeah, he was telling me the story how. He basically came to terms with the Phillies uh at like ten o'clock at night and a half hour later his wife's water broke and and, and it was go time for uh for Cade. So it's uh he he's he's a really fun guy to engage with.
1: Yeah, I remember one of our first broadcasts in Sunday at baseball this year, Angel Hernandez was having a rough night behind home plate, I'm trying to remember who Oop. they were facing. It might have been the Atlanta Braves. Milwaukee. It was yeah, and so I remember in the ninth innings uh, that he got called out on a strike out of the zone, and he just went off. And I had players tell me afterward that he was the perfect guy to make that point to Angel Hernandez because he is such a good person. He doesn't constantly complain. He's not a look at me guy. He's serious. Like one from one colleague to another, like you need to get better. This is unacceptable. It's been bad out here. It's been bad out here. And then on the other side of that, you would take it differently because of Kyle's personality.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it it registers something when Kyle Schwarber is that upset. There's no
1: question. So yesterday was the first time when it occurred to me this thought, even though we're in the middle of the playoffs and 12 teams begin with theoretically a, a chance to win, yesterday was the first time I was thinking, you know what, the Phillies might win the World Series. Yeah. What about for you? I'm, you know, did that dawn on you yesterday or before that? Or
0: yeah, I mean, I I think it it keeps sort of dawning on me. I mean, again, in a, in a, they have the type of lineup. Like again, it's been documented. You know, teams at out home or the other teams are thirteen and five in these playoffs. They were twenty five and two last year, so it's explosive, right? And they have that type of lineup. It was a very good offense this year. And then they have two horses at the front of their rotation. And then they have some guys that can really bring it in the back end of the rotation. It, it You know, you can see a path for them and how they could be a team that would go on go on a run. And to be honest, I think that the Padres fall into that category similarly. I think not quite to the same level as the Phillies to me. But, but I would say that the Padres is a similar thing. You have a couple of monsters and Soto and Machado in their offense. You have three really good starting pitchers, and then a bullpen that's been, you know, tremendous. And it, it's ironic, right, because both of these teams in the postseason, the bullpens have been phenomenal, and during the regular season, not so much.
1: Some of uh, my most spirited discussions with you have been built around the topic of lineup protection. Uh, and and uh, it's interesting because... I feel like, especially in the last series, what became apparent was the Dodgers were not going to throw pitches in the strike zone as much to Manny Machado because of the guy who was batting behind him. It was Josh Bell, uh, because Manny is, you know, a great player, and and he looked completely comfortable. And as this postseason's gone along, uh, he, he, as other teams are pitching him out of the zone, saying we're not going to give you anything to hit, he's following them. Uh, and uh, I feel like that a real key for the Padres, you know, today and moving forward in this series is that Manny's got to stay in the strike zone. And I asked Sarah Langs, our friend, yesterday to look up these numbers for me during the regular season, 46% of pitches against him were in the zone. Uh, That's plummeted now to about 41%. That was before the game last night. Tell me, as you're watching him now, uh, as good as he has been in moments in this postseason, what are you seeing?
0: Well, look, a couple of things. One is, you know, we talked in the broadcast last night that this is a Padre team that doesn't hit high velocity. They were 28 out of 30 teams in batting average on fastballs, 97 and above, and they saw velocity last night. On the protection thing, I just, I, I guess I start with I don't really buy it I, I because I think you're you're forgetting an important thing, and that is the guy that hits in front of them. Isn't he supposed to be protecting once? And, like, they had no interest in pitch. So at like, and that's dangerous. Like, the if they were to do it the way you're saying it because of Bell, that, like, it's dangerous to walk Soto and Machado ahead of Bell. And it, it's and not And that's why I think up. Manny's
1: got to keep it in the zone. I think one crucial thing. I, I
0: understand he's got to keep it in the zone, but I, I, I just, I still would say there's no, I mean, again, for all the studies in protection, guys may contemplate who's on deck. You know, it's like I I remember looking at when Prince Fielder left the Brewers uh, and you looked at in 20, I want to say it was 2012, his first year with the Tigers. But in 2012, Ryan Braun got the same amount of strikes and the same amount of fastballs like nothing changed without Prince Fielder hitting behind him. I mean, we can go round and round and what ends up happening is that because pitchers say they contemplate who's hitting behind him, then that ends the argument. But there's nothing that is indicated that a player has actively thrived like any type of real correlation that, that they're better and that they're getting better pitches and that it's changing outcomes because of the player behind them. So you're right, he's got to stay stay in the zone. But, like, they keep walking Soto. So, I, I and I don't know, what, I'm wondering if that's going to change here today. Like, man, to me, man, he's just he's just got to, you know, barrel up balls that, that they make mistakes on, and he's got to get hits. You know, like last night, I, to me, everyone was talking about should they have taken Wheeler out. Like, the last couple of pitches that were contacted were hit hard. You know, Manny flies out, but I don't know if you remember the foul ball he hits down the third baseline. That thing was waffle. It was 110 miles an hour. You keep something like that fair, then maybe it changes.
1: Well, let's flip to the American League Championship Series. The Yankees, uh, you know, get to celebrate last night, and they get on a plane. They go down to Houston. They have to start that series tonight. I, I, I have a hard time envisioning this series going on beyond five games. What about you? Um and Houston gosh. winning, to make it clear. I just think that the yeah, Yankees yeah, yeah. you know, there are scrambles they start this series. They, you know, had to play late night. They've had some injuries, they lose another player in Aaron Hicks yesterday. Uh I think it's pretty clear that, you know, the circle of trust with the Yankees has like Nestor Cortez and not Isaiah Kleiner of Falefa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: And on the other hand, the Astros are ready to go. Like, all parts of their team are incredible. I, I just I, – I think this, to me, be the fourth time in eight years that the Astros are going to eliminate the Yankees in the postseason.
0: I, like, I understand. Totally get your, your logic ladder there. I just I, – I guess my bailout position is you just don't know. How, like, this may be – where they decide to do something dumb and pitch the judge a couple of times. And he hits a couple of balls, 7,000 feet. That lineup is certainly capable of unloading. I just seen it too many times. I mean, one of the things, when I think about the 2018 Boston Red Sox, part of that narrative that I feel like people forget is that team was at home for the ALCS and Chris sales on the mound in game one and they lost and you're leaving Fenway park going "They're Done. Yes. Done. And then they won four straight games. So (laughs) look, I think you're probably going to be right. I don't know that I, that I subscribe to the reasons. I don't know in terms of the scrambling and they're tired and the Astros are or set up. The, the Astros won more games. The Astros were a better team over the the portion of the season. They really pitch. I don't think everybody realizes uh, how great they are in terms of a run prevention team. So I think you're going to end up being right, but I don't know. I, I just feel like I, I rule nothing out.
2: Yeah,
1: you're 100% right about the Astros pitching. They led the American League in their ERA, as you know, by almost half a run over the Yankees. I think they had a 2-9-0 in the regular season. The Yankees at 3-3-0. We saw in that series against the, the Mariners, that 18-inning game, a lot of teams in that situation would have been like, okay, who's going to volunteer to pitch? We don't really have anybody. Yeah. And they just kept rolling out arm after arm after arm. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Two more for you in two minutes before you go. Shohei Otani spoke to the reporters yesterday. He really, uh, it, based on his comments, which, you know, they're coming through a translator, so we have to give that caveat, but he essentially said that, yeah, I had a good year and the team didn't. And it felt like it drew a line. Certainly, went beyond. You, you don't hear Mike Trout, all those years of struggles with the Angels, come out and right. say, yeah, I had a good year, but the team didn't. And I am I feel like that it only reinforces the perception that, you know what, there's a real chance he's going to be wearing another uniform As soon as 2023, what do you think?
5: And I'm talking about the trade deadline.
1: I don't think they'll start the year with, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having traded him. But at some point next July, we're all talking about the Otani trade sweepstakes. That would not be a shock. Yeah, I I mean, I still
0: think it would be jarring. um, But, like, if you're going to – I mean, I guess what I would ask you is, if you're going to do that, like, I don't know. I mean, I was about to say a thing, but if you're going to do that, then why don't you trade Trout? Yeah. Like what? I mean, I I, I don't. I I hear you. Um, amazing that they haven't been able to make it work with two players of that caliber, um, but they haven't. So I I don't I don't feel like I have a good feel for the likelihood of them moving him I mean I know that if I was in that spot I would want to just keep trying with with those guys as the centerpiece but um I don't know if you if you move him you're making a very clear decision to your fan base okay we're putting this on pause you know
1: and Clayton Kershaw uh became a topic yesterday Andrew Friedman head of baseball operations for the Dodgers told reporters, my strong hope is that Clayton Kershaw is pitching here next year, but like I said last year, for him to take the time to put his head together with Ellen, his wife, and figure out what makes the most sense for his family is what will afford them the time to do. Booga, I have definitely reached a stage with Clayton Kershaw, future Hall of Famer, where it's going to be like Sandy Koufax. There'll be some offseason when we suddenly get the, you know, the, uh, the email, press conference tomorrow, an all-time great is retiring. And if it happened this year, it wouldn't shock
0: me. No. I mean, because look, he's a pretty amazing human and uh, he's had, you know, a phenomenal career. He's going to go down as one of the best pitchers ever. Um, And he, but we're at a place now where he's 34 years old and on the high side, Every year he pitches, it's like okay. So what's the reality here? Yeah, you can pencil him in for probably 120 innings. You know what I mean? There, there's just he's just his body isn't capable of doing a ton more than that. He's accomplished everything you could possibly want to accomplish. So I don't know. I, I, I'm you know obviously like everyone else. I'm curious. Is is there any part of him that has an interest in playing one year? for the Rangers and, you know, kid who grew up in Highland Park. And I don't know, I had never really gotten in there and asked him, you know, how much that appeals to him.
1: Yeah. And my instinct would be that, you know, he understands like he he is the heir apparent to Sandy Koufax in terms yeah. of the guy the Dodgers bring back every year. And if he plays a year with a, the with a Rangers, that wouldn't change. But it feels a little Derek Jeter-esque where it would be weird for him. It would be like Joe Namath finishing his career with the Rams. Yes?
0: Yes, yes, 100%, 100%. No, I, th- I think the Kovacs comparison, I, I I. totally buy. He's identified with the franchise. He's handled himself with just total class, and you definitely can see him being you know, the icon that's around uh, for future generations.
1: Kind of like you, being introduced everywhere as the legend. Boog, <laughs> thanks for doing this.
0: You got it, Buster. Good to see you.
1: Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be sent on ball fields all across America, all around the world. Or he can go to his website, toddradom.com. Todd, how are you? I'm great, Buster. It's LCS week. All is yeah. good. And I want to know this, because of course you are uh, someone who, have, have you actually, are you now, as we speak, in Philadelphia?
9: No, I am moving to Philly full-time in a couple of weeks, but have been gradually moving down there, but full-time, a middle-of-the-world series, actually.
1: So it's, it's possible that when we speak of City of Champions for Philadelphia, that's going to be more about you than it is about the baseball team, perhaps. Oh, you know, I don't
9: think it's any coincidence. Um, <laughs> I will take full credit if that occurs, but I'm happy to, uh, happy to be along for the ride, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, since you're moving to Philadelphia, and yesterday on the show, uh, Sarah Abbott declared herself a lifelong Phillies fan uh, for the first time. I need to know from both of you, which of you will be more responsible for the championship if, in fact, the Phillies go on and win the World Series. Sarah, what say you?
7: You know, I think that it will be Todd because my reasoning for being a Phillies fan is not justified necessarily. And I think Todd's is probably more respectable. So let's go Todd.
9: I'm going to go the other way. I think it's Sarah for sure. Uh, I am on the record and have been a Red Sox fan since, you know, for time immemorial and I will always be. Uh, However, a soft spot for the Phillies, particularly moving there. And, but here's the thing uh, for Sarah and for for Buster as well, and Taylor, I, you know, I can remember being at the epic 15 to 14 game four of the 1993 wow. World Series at the vet, sitting up in the 700 seats, uh, drinking beer amidst all of the craziness. And uh, I feel kind of personally responsible for the fact that they lost that game. So I can't, you know, I'm, I've got like a black mark against me.
7: <laughs> so then you can add another one. Yeah. <laughs> <Meilu.
9: laughs> Jeez. However, you know, as kind of a neutral observer, um, you know, again, many, many times down at both Citizens Bank Park and the vet over the years. So uh, jumping aboard in the band aboard the bandwagon and what a, a fun NLCS matchup for sure. Unexpected and delightful is the way I'd put it.
1: Yeah. So let's set aside, like, all kidding aside about fandom and Philadelphia and the whole thing. Uh, just looking at the team, Todd, yesterday was the first time watching that game where I was actually thinking, wow, they might actually win the World Series. How about you?
9: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the the window here closes in and you've got, you know, seven wins that you need now. And we've seen teams go on a roll. And conversely, we've seen teams go on a roll and then just, you know, stop short and and eject themselves out of the car. (laughs) But the Phillies have this look and I think it's like, uh, you know, it's like sitting at the blackjack table in, in Vegas Buster. I think you got to just keep playing until, until the wheels fall off. And right now, the wheels look pretty solid. looks like there's some magic. Rob Thompson can kind of do no wrong. They're gelling together. And maybe it's Bryce Harper's moment. It's a yeah. fun thing to be watching, for sure.
1: You said it's like a, someone sitting at a blackjack table. They had that look. Maybe that look was when Bryce Harper's reaction to Schwarber's home run yesterday. Right? <laughs> like, wow, 21 again? Holy How great crew. was that?
9: We, we've got a meme. We've got a new meme that we're going to see applied to all kinds of different things going forward. It was just great spontaneity and joy. Yep. All right, let's get to this week's quiz. What do you got? All right, everybody. So the San Diego Padres, they are participating in their first National League Championship Series since 1998, and they are 2-0 and all-time in NLCS appearances. So here is this week's question. This franchise has won the most NLCS games ever, all time. Is it A, the Braves, B, the Cardinals, C, the Dodgers, or D, the Giants? All time, most NLCS games won, Braves, Cardinals,
1: Dodgers, Giants. All right, uh, Taylor, what you got?
2: I'll go Cardinals.
1: Sarah?
7: I'm going to go Giants.
1: And I'm going to go Cardinals. Well, you are all wrong because
9: it is, <laughs> it is the Dodgers with 39 wins. Oh. Cardinals with 38. You so. know,
1: and it's and it's a classic, Todd, as you know, I grew up a huge Dodger fan. It's classic Dodger fan. When you ask that question, all that I was brought back to was the failure. <laughs> like the years when they lost and Ozzie Smith beating them, you know, running around the bases, uh, I, I like all that came spilling back to me, and I'm like, no, that can't be the right answer. So I, <laughs> I can't say that I overthought it. I think it was just PTSD that set in that prevented me from getting that question right.
9: Well, you know, I mean, think think about uh, again being a Red Sox fan. It's been a it's been a great 21st century to say the least. But a certain amount of that for me as well here, Buster. And I tweeted out yesterday. Along those lines, the Pirates have a lot of NLCS wins. Of course, they went to the championship series in the early 90s, came up short those few times, and they were a juggernaut in the 70s. But uh, 43 years ago yesterday, they won the World Series. And just typing out the fact that the Pirates won the World Series or even participated in a league championship series, uh, we've got first world problems as Red Sox fans and your old Dodger fandom.
1: Yeah, what a lot of baseball friends remember about the Pirates being the NLCS—it's Sid Bream sliding across home plate, right? Uh, where they actually they, they lost. So that's how it goes for fans. There's no doubt about it. The losses stick with you more than the uh, than the victories do. All right, Todd, thanks for doing this. All right, guys, thanks so much.
2: Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. Bleacher Tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Andrew Campbell at Real Camp Drew is up first. He writes in, hey, Buster, is it now time to declare Giancarlo Stanton the most dominant postseason player yet to win a World Series ring?
1: Why? Because he hits a home run every game he plays in in the postseason. Uh, yeah, that might actually be a, a good reason. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to put some more thought into that. But I, I don't think that's a bad nomination. I think it's a very good nomination. What do you, what say you, Taylor?
2: Yeah, I would also have to think about it. There's got to be a couple more people that are in the mix there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he looks great. Good good for him and Judge for uh, for showing up in Game 5. Uh, Nick Tanza at The Real Tanza writes in, Hey, Buster, looking at these LDS losers, which team is most likely to be in the World Series next year? Dodgers, Braves, Mariners, or Guardians? What about those four teams in 2023, 2025? Give me two reasons why your money isn't on the Braves.
1: It is. I, I think the Braves are so well set up. Uh, I mean, think about it. They're going to go in this off season with basically every major role filled. Most of them by young stars. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. uh, and, and there's room for growth. We talked to Brian Snitker yesterday about Ronald Acuna Jr. and his knee, and he's going to be coming back and, uh, you hope at some point, you know, for the fifth spot in the rotation, you get Mike Soroka, you get Ian Anderson competing for that, you get Bryce Elder competing for that. Uh, the only question is the shortstop. And if they sign Dansby Swanson, like that's a complete team, uh, you know, that has room to grow after winning 101 games this year.
2: Room to grow after winning 101 games. That is the statement. David at David Dogfather writes in, is it time to think Mike Trout is the next Ernie Banks? Great player, great attitude, and love of the game, but never on a winner. Angels seem like years from contending. Shohei Otani with some comments yesterday that uh, August and September seemed a little bit longer as well. Yeah,
1: we talked to Boog Shambi about those. Boy, Otani, Mm -hmm. I I think uh, it was like he built a wall between himself and Trout. And I don't mean that on a personal level. But in terms, you know, Mike is a guy who handles everything smoothly, isn't going to ruffle feathers, isn't going to complain publicly where Otani,
2: like, I had a really good year. I don't
1: know what the problem is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just looking out for himself. Uh, Weird transition here. John Self is the last tweet for today at John underscore Self. One writes in, do you think anything shady about the two rainouts in New York? Certainly the cancellation of game two came awfully early in the day. Something doesn't quite square with the conditions in the Dodgers Padres game for John is my guy here. Are we on an an island. island? He is fully on board with
1: all the conspiracy theories. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. you believe that the reason why that game, because my response to you, uh, if they if Major League Baseball really wanted that game canceled, uh, Game Five canceled on Monday, why didn't they just bang it early when the weather forecast was terrible, uh, you know, to give Nestor Cordes <laughs> another day of rest? And your answer was.
2: A little bit of a head fake. They didn't want people to know explicitly uh-huh. that they're they're on the side of the Yankees and trying to get them into the ALCS. Buster, they, like everyone thinks that Major League Baseball is in the tank for the Yankees. Why wouldn't they try and distance themselves while also secretly furthering their agenda? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah. would
1: say this: like uh, television executives, they root for teams that are, are going to rate higher. And uh, there's no of doubt course. about that. And the Yankees are going to rate higher if they make it to the postseason than some of the other teams involved.
2: Hmm. all right that's it for bleacher tweets send me more conspiracy theories hashtag bleacher tweets on twitter thanks everyone
1: that's it for today my thanks to sarah langs to todd radom to boog shambi to sarah to taylor to everyone who's on the show have a great day everybody thanks for listening stay safe and remember hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day